A Fork on the Road is brought to you by GoDaddy. Well, they have everything you need to put your business online, find new customers, and kick butt online. They started by registering... says kick ass online. I don't want to say ass. But that's what GoDaddy wants you to say. No, I don't want to say GoDaddy's all that. about ass. Have you not seen Danica Patrick? She's fabulous. She is. Right, you can get you started by registering a domain name and creating your website with GoDaddy's easy-to-use website builder. Already have a site? Keep it running fast with GoDaddy web hosting. It's go time. Visit, Visit GoDaddy.com. Enter promo code FORK32 and save 32% on your new purchases. Some limitations apply. Always. With See everything. See the website for details and then get ass kicking online. Get butt kicking with GoDaddy. City pin my ride so pretty and see I'm a willow Gal in Mexico I see black Davarotona don't forgive one on her King in Boston San Bernardino you Get him to the stabling tear Oh when you make Oh when you make the California trip I want to get your kicks on Route 66.
Hello, Chicago. Welcome. Welcome to live, a fork on the road show right here from the Randolph Street Market. It's Memorial Day, and we are so happy to be in town. How about a big, big hand for the band, ladies and gentlemen? That's Nicholas and the boys. Okay, can you hear me now? Hello. I am Mark DiCarlo, travel expert. Next to me is the lovely and talented and suntan traveling diva. This is Yenny Alvarez, and this is a Fork on the Road live from the Randolph Street Market. Thanks for joining us today. We have a great lineup of guests for you. As you know, each week we are the most listened to travel and foodie show on the iTunes, on the internet, on the interweb, whatever you want to call it. We have over 750,000 listeners coast to coast. We're trying to hit a million by the 4th of July. So tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Sign up. It's easy and free. It's fun. The show is fun every week. We have a really great lineup of guests for you today. We have antique expert Harry Wrinkler's on the show today, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a hand. Purveyors of Hey, hi. How you doing? Purveyors of fine food and drink right here in Chicago. It's Greg Kidowitz from City Winery and Dan Goodman from Tet. They're going to be here. Give them a hand. And we're going to tell you and show you how to find your way through Chicago with a fantastic food tour from Chicago Food Tours. It's Shane Costin. He's going to be here in a little bit, too. Give him a hand. It is a beautiful Memorial Day. We are here. It is a fantastic day. It's warm. I'm actually not wearing a coat today. I know. That is me. Sorry. No, it's warm and it's uh, you don't have to wear a coat normally because you are Cuban. You do wear coats everywhere. Yeah. So we're happy to be well, here. I noticed there were some fur coats here you could have bought. <laughs> I'm gonna be shopping. Yeah, oh, well, don't, you, don't you worry about know, that. I'm gonna be shopping right after this. A lot of great vintage clothing here. I think we should be able to get you uh, warmed up here a little bit. And you don't want to shop without Harry. Harry, you are antiques expert, correct? And no, I'm an antique. Well, we can leave it. <laughs> we can leave it go with that. Yeah, well, I, I, I spent my life researching the antique collectibles marketplace and writing about it. Well, it's a good I thing that you're here. I don't sell the goodies, but I buy the goodies. Okay. Well, this is uh, ranked by USA Today. The Randolph Street Market is one of the top ten flea market and antique markets in the country. It so should be. So we're happy to have you here. What makes this particular market a top ten attraction? Well, right? first of all, of all the flea markets that I go to around the United States, and I travel to a lot of them and antique shows as well, this is the youngest crowd we have in the business. And I think that's a great credit to Sally and the gang here at Randolph Street. I mean, this is where, when I want to know what the future of my collecting industry is, I come to Randolph Street. we got a lot of young people here, we've got a lot of youngsters here, got a lot of older people too, for that matter. And we also are looking at a lot of post-World War II modernist kind of stuff. This, I mean, this is urban living. You know, you can go to a lot of country flea markets, but this is the inner city flea market. And, and you know, these people are taking this stuff home. Not as much to collect it. They're taking it home to live with it and use it. Now, I know it's a great flea market. Is it a good meat market? If you're single, <laughs> is this a good place to meet someone? Well, of, of like interest, I suppose. Well, you know, I, I think what you have to do is kind you of You can bond them over and, something you know, old they, and crusty, they, in other words. You have to follow them and see what they're buying and see if it's your taste. I, I mean, it's a good way to check it out. I mean, they wouldn't tell you this stuff up front in the first date, you know. Right. Yeah, you got to see what they're buying. Yeah, you have to see what they're buying. I mean, we got a lot of modernist stuff here. We got a lot of stuff from the 60s and 70s. Right. So if you see someone, a guy collecting, you see a guy collecting Barbies, and you're a gal that's into that. I'd be a little nervous. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you, you, could, you, could, you could do that. 
But you see, you see a lot of, as, as I say, the up and coming stuff too. And also, you know, today in the antiques and collectibles trade, we use three values. What will a collector pay? And there's a lot of collectors here, but it's, the biggest value in my market is decorating. People are using antiques and collectibles today to decorate their house with it. You know, as an accent piece, a conversation piece, maybe some nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Something piece. that makes you feel happy and good and brings back wonderful memories when you look at it, especially if you have it at your home. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's part of it too. Another reason that I love Randolph Street is it's affordable. Yeah, you can find some pieces here in the high hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars. You can find it, but if, if you say to yourself, "I'm not going to buy, spend more than thirty-five bucks," mm-hmm. you we can find, find a ton, ton of stuff. Ton let's of. let's talk about that because everyone that goes to a flea market is interested in a bargain. What's the best way to negotiate with someone when you're buying something? You don't want to insult anybody because a lot of these folks are artists and they, they make this stuff so you, you know you don't want to be the jerk that comes in and offers them five bucks for something that's worth two thousand dollars right how how there's well, one jerk in the crowd i heard it well well first 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 of all my theory is you don't do business with people don't have a price marked on it because that's their asking price okay now so it gives you a starting point it gives so you a starting point and, well no what happens is is when i when i buy an antique collectible before i even go over and look at the price on it i say to myself if it's worth, if it's going to be priced at this price, this is what I, I'm buying, because the price that I care about is what I'm willing to pay, not what anybody else puts on it. The price of the heart. Yes. Well, I mean, you, you know, you, you got to do a little homework. You, you got to right. You have to have, you have to know what you have to spend, and then what happens? Because is, like a really cool old style neon light would be worth a lot of money to me. It would be worth zero to my wife because she has no taste when it comes to bar signs. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, no taste at all, Harry. It's just, we already it's, have it's, a bar it's, sign. It's just the first, second, Let me ask you a question. <laughs> I have an original. I have an original Budweiser neon sign from the '84 Olympics with okay. the logo on it, and it works fine. What is that worth? Uh seventy-five to hundred bucks, maybe. I think you're crazy. I think it's worth thousands of dollars. Harry. Yeah, well, and that's the problem. That's what everybody thinks, and that's why. That's why when when, when you're out there to shopping for antiques and collectibles. You set the price you're willing to pay. Now, if that's true, one of three things are going to happen when you look at the tag. One, it's going to be priced way above what you're willing to pay, so why even get in the hassle with the guy? Right. Or it's going to be priced below what, you, what you're going to pay, at which point you don't want to hassle. Just pay it. You'll shock them anyway. But it's worth more. It's worth less than you think it is. And then the third one is, if it's in the middle somewhere near what you're willing to pay, you've got a negotiating position to, to go on. You know, there's some flexibility yeah. in all of this. I mean, negotiating is part of the antiques and collectibles field. But, you know, there's no fixed prices in my business. I mean, this isn't like the stock market. I, you can't call up and say, hey, I want to sell this price up tomorrow. Call a stockbroker, and that's how much you're going to get out of it. I mean, it doesn't work that way. So value is relative. What the, what the seller thinks it's worth, what the buyer thinks it's worth, if you can't come to a common ground, better to walk away. I mean, it's not like there's a lack of stuff to buy here. Right. Yeah. And it's ultimately worth whatever you pay for it. Well, the thing about it is, uh, you know, when you get it home, and I, I try to tell people, if you get caught up into this stuff about money, then you lose all the fun of owning this stuff. Because the truth of the matter is, it doesn't have any value at all. It only has value at one moment in time, when you put your wallet on the table and you exchange hand it. That second is worth money. The next second is worthless again. And also, for example, I love China. I love Limoges antique China. You and my wife. (laughs) So, and if you find one at the beginning of the of the fair, what are the odds that you're going to find another one at the end of the fair? No, if you find it, you love it. Take it home. If you also that has value, but an original Olympic neon sign doesn't have value. No, the problem problem with your Budweiser Olympic sign is this: you and 50 million other people saved it. 
No, no, no. This is a big bar sign. I understand. I, that. Technically, I didn't save it, Harry. I, I stole, stole it. it. Yes, I, I, we, we understand that. We call them sticky finger collectibles in our business. I worked for the Olympic Committee. I worked my butt off. I earned that stolen yeah, yeah, sign. Yeah, but, here, but here's, here's the situation, though. But every bar that got one of those, the guy didn't get rid of it. And this is what you have. Starting in 1970, the American became what we call collecting conscious. They realized it does pay to throw stuff out. And so when there are special events like the Olympics or a, a 500 race or whatever, and Budweiser or some brewery company does a special sign for that, they go out to the bars, they're put up in the bars, and you better believe somebody's going to buy that from the bar, going to take it home and put it in the basement, and he says, I have a treasure. Except he and a million other people have the same thing. And so, yeah, it has to come back in the market. The market has to be tested. Uh, you know, everybody wants something to be worth it, but the truth of the matter is it's only, it's only worth something when you sell it if someone will pay for it. I mean, this is what happens when, when people come up to me with fine 19th century antiques, and they're in pristine condition, and they're 150 years old, and they say, this has got to be worth a lot of money. And I said, here's my problem. I don't have anybody who wants to buy it. And if I don't have anybody who wants to buy it, it's not worth anything. Because there's no value without a buyer in my business. Let me ask you this, Harry. We, you know, we, we're a travel show. We you travel are. all over the world and the country. Could you put together like a road trip of, are there other really big, fantastic flea markets like this? Could oh, you sure. kinda Could you kind of go city to city? Is there a season for uh, antique shows? Well, well uh, in, in, in the... Uh, North in the, in the cold states and the warm states, the warm states, their flea markets all, are, all year round, except that in the wintertime, the northern dealers come down, you know, the snow areas dealers come down. And so the, the season here uh, in the east and, and, and north of the Mason-Dixon line runs from about the end of April through the middle of October. Then everybody goes south. Because it gets 40 below here yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, it does. I would not want to be but, but they But they all... Also go indoors, so we have a lot of indoor show, shows, flea markets in, in the winter. The other thing is, like, for example, in California with the great flea markets in Long Beach at, in, at Pasadena, they're year-round. Yeah. Uh, up at Portland, up at Portland, for example. The Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Huh? It's a Rose, Rose Bowl, Bowl Rose Bowl. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fantastic. A lot of Limoges China there. <laughs> you seem to be stuck on that. Like, it now, makes I, me happy when well, I drink my espresso, yeah. my Cuban coffee and, every and morning. You know, and, you know, and, you know, and you know what? That's the whole value of it. The fact that you're I using mean, you're it's like It's like people who buy jewelry and then tell their spouse not to wear it. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, or their mistress. I use it because if it ever breaks... Well, I buy my wife. I buy my wife jewelry, and there's a simple rule in our house, and that is, the minute I don't see a piece of jewelry on her, she's not getting another one. <laughs> uh, no, no, and I think because I think it's meant to adorn women or whomever the jewelry is intended for. I agree. And, and, you know what, Harry? Our time with you is just about up here. Uh, <laughs> all right, you over time. Woman, no, 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 no. Here, your wife wore everything you bought her. Eventually, she would just be like a big clanking metal. We're at the point now where she does. She has to wear like three, four pieces a day <laughs> in order to do that. But look, she's got wrists for bracelets, right? Yes. Ears for yes. earrings, right? Fingers tongue for, for a rings. tongue piercing? For rings, right? As long as you keep buying it, we'll keep wearing it. Dress the pins. This is the pin, pin sign, right? I mean, you don't have to get and by with it. we can change two or three times a day? Sure. Does your wife have any body piercings, Terry? No. Not yourself lucky. Not Those that I'm are aware of, and I've looked pretty closely, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give me the five best things that we could buy at a flea market. Like, 
from, from a from a value okay, okay. point of view. Got what it. are the kind from, of things people should look for? Not from a dollar point of view. Okay, the first thing is you should buy something that brings back memories. That's the first thing. Like a toy. Uh, anything. Anything that's nostalgia. Something that you look at it and all of a sudden it evokes a memory. Okay. You should buy something for yourself. Something that's personal. That, that, you, that you can use. You should buy something to take home and use it. That Not, your wife agrees with. Well, maybe that, but I mean, I mean, you know, you go through here, and and we, we just bought a couple of pieces. Uh, we we just bought a condo in Florida and found two interesting pieces of wall art, which we'll take down to Florida and, and hang in the bathroom wall because they're they're different and they're conversation pieces. So I think. Well, I, who are you talking to in the bathroom, Harry? Why would you put conversation pieces listen, in listen, the bathroom? All the great decisions in life are made in the bathroom. But you're really on your own. Do you know why I mean well? You go to the bathroom? That's when I get the intelligent answers for crying out loud. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. That's the only place you can go where listen, no one disagrees listen, with you. Listen, before you get started on me, I have to tell you, there's also you should also buy something that's so dumb that you can't you can't show it off without laughing about it. Now I have to tell you about this. I have the world's largest collection of toilet paper. What? Yes. Well, new or you? Oh, oh, well, both in some cases, I think. But the deal, the deal was that 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 you know, if if God in His infinite wisdom, there is one truth even God cannot control. All toilet paper is not created equal. Really? And you know that. And so what happened? One time, I was over in the. I all started because I was over in the British Museum, and and I was using the toilet paper, and every piece was stamped official government property. And I said, What does that say about the Brits? And then. I was on the German railroad, and every piece was stamped Deutsches Bundesbein, but the texture of the paper was almost like sandpaper, which I thought said a lot about the Germans. And then, so I started to... <laughs> that's why they're I, so uptight, is what you're saying. Right, exactly. They so have I, bad toilet so paper. I started to collect toilet paper, and then I wrote an article, uh, and, and set up rules for collecting toilet paper, and then it got out and published, and people started sending me toilet paper from the trips all around the world. Do you have any Cuban toilet paper? I think I might somewhere in that, but then after that's it's actually newspaper. Well, yes. <laughs> well, listen, I've got a couple of corn cobs and, and magazines. You know, this was the thing when you used to go out in the outhouses. You would hate to get the slick magazines. You'd oh, always want something with a little grip to it. The visuals. <laughs> but no, but but the thing is that during during the war, World War Two, World War One, well, World War Two, they had toilet paper with Hitler's picture on it. And, Oh, you know what? Can I send you uh, toilet paper from Miami with Castro's picture? Yeah, you are. See, there you are. Do you right? have am it? I, am I, I will send you one. Oh, you, you do that. Okay. I, the one I love was the Bill Clinton toilet paper from Serbia when, oh. when the war was on over oh. there. You didn't know this was going to go in this I direction. did not know we were going to go straight into toilet humor. No, I did no, not. No, but but the thing is... That, toilet that, paper humor. Yes, well, the thing is... But here's the, the one thing. You put that out, people will talk about that. It's fun. It, you know, I've had a few, and I've given a few. But if you put it out in the bathroom, people are going to use it and well, not talk about that, it. Well, that's true too. But I was very tempted to do that with the Bill Clinton stuff. I'll have to tell you. <laughs> well, Harry, where can I know you have your own radio show? Where can people find well, you on my the radio? Airway? My radio show is called What You Got, and it's on Sunday mornings from uh, eight to ten Eastern, and it streams live on GCNlive.com. But the easiest way to find out about me or anything that I do is go to my website, which is just my name, HarryRinker.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you for joining us today, Harry. Harry Folks, give Harry a big hand. Thank you and so much. Now, we didn't talk about his books are Sell, Keeper, Toss, and How to Think Like a Collector by yeah. Harry Ricker. Yeah, Sell, Keeper, Toss is kind of a book about what happens if you have a house full of stuff and, and you got to get rid of the whole house full. It's designed to, it's a book about selling stuff. Not the rest is How to Think Like a Collector. This I wrote for wives who are divorcing their collector husbands. They give this to their attorney and they get a much bigger settlement. 
fabulous. And on that note. For profit and gain and entertainment. Give it up for Harry, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank, Thank you, Harry. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'll send you that uh, toilet paper. All right, now that we know everything we need to know about uh, about collecting. Uh, collecting, yeah. I think Harry, you're wrong on the uh, the, uh, the Olympic sign? the Olympic sign. Yes, it's an authentic Ask one. Ask me what it's worth. I know what you think it's worth. Uh, you know, the uh, I guess this is called West Loop. What, what's the area that we're in called? West Loop. West Loop uh, near Oprah. Winfrey's old studio. There's a lots of great of restaurants, and uh, there's actually a winery here in town. A lot of really cool. Thank you. A lot of cool culinary places, and we have two of the titans of this area joining us right now. Please welcome from City Winery, Greg Kidowitz, and from Tet, Dan Goodman. Welcome, gentlemen. We are neighbors. We're going to get um, very Yeah, you're sharing a microphone. Yeah. 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 So, Dan, your restaurant is called Tet, correct? Tet Charcuterie. And what kind of food do we have there? Uh, well, we are producing our own sausages, pâtés, terrines, fresh sausage and cured. We're in the process of curing right now. And then we have a full a la carte menu as well. Do you know, do you know, do you know Abe Froman? Uh, we like to think of ourselves as Abe Froman's next generation. The, the next generation Abe Froman. The Sausage King of Chicago. How does he think of you? <laughs> we had a Ferrari out front last night. We were ready to ride. <laughs> and this is kind of a happening foodie place, right? Westloo? Yeah, we, you know, City Winery, we, we, we moved to the Westloop to be part of this... Uh, this next generation of restaurateurs. Uh, there's some great history here, but there's the, the next generation coming in. And uh, with neighbors like uh, Tet, we're helping secure uh, more and more foot traffic. And then having markets like this tie it all in and bring us uh, bring us some foot traffic to the uh, the far end of the West Loop is uh, is great. And Greg, the, the city winery is more than just a winery. I did not know this until we were chatting earlier. It's actually a music performance space, correct? Yeah, so um, we're proud to produce uh, and stay true to the neighborhood. It's an old uh, produce neighborhood, meatpacking neighborhood. So we actually produce wine, but we're a 300-seat concert venue, and we do national touring acts on a regular basis. We've had um, some small people like Prince come. Woo! And, uh, he is short. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lindsey Buckingham from Fleetwood Mac, Citizen Cope. Uh, Lewis Black, the comedian, uh, Joan Osborne, Sean Colvin. That would be uh, a great a place to see Lewis Black. Small yeah. room, I bet it was really banging. Yeah, except for it is such an intimate room. If you were in the first five rows, um, might have been a little uncomfortable if you ever. Because you're covered in his spit. You'd be, you got covered in his spit. So it was, a, it was a little Lewis Black terroir in the wine that night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were also telling me before the show you actually just got. 10,000 pounds of grapes, so you actually make the wine here in Chicago? Yeah, we uh, processed uh, 10 tons of grapes yesterday. It took us about nine hours and uh, 15 to 20 uh, staff members uh, getting really uh, dirty and wet all day. Ooh, that's a lot of stamping with the feet. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, this wine I made with my feet. <laughs> now, this is not; these are not grapes that were grown in Chicago, obviously, right? No, in the, in the spring, our crushed grapes come from the Southern Hemisphere, so uh, we get to... Uh, uh, Malbec from uh, and Cabernet uh, Sauvignon from uh, Mendoza. Ooh, and then nice! In, in the fall, we get grapes from California, Oregon, and Washington. Is this your wine that we have? This, here? Is, this is this is our wine here. Yeah. Ooh, can we? Okay. Can yeah. you Tell us about these. Tell us about the wines, and then tell us, Dan, what charcuterie would go with. First of all, where does the word charcuterie come from? 
I think a lot of guys don't order it in restaurants because it's difficult to pronounce correctly. Very true. You can always just say, give me the meat. <laughs> we got you covered. We, uh, charcuterie is the art of curing and preserving meats. It's French. It's of French origin. We use a lot of French technique. It's basically the pâtés that we have are refined meatloafs, refined pork meatloaf. So, and they're delicious. What is refined pork meatloaf? Well, if I told you, I wouldn't have a business. Uh, well, it's meatloaf that will not swear in polite company. Well, only behind your back. Right, right. And then at the end go, oh, well, bless your heart. Exactly. See, you understand already. Yeah. I understand meat. Let me tell you that, Dan. So we have a red and a white. We do, right? This is our uh, West Loop Red, named after the West Loop. It was our, one of our first produced wines. It's a Cabernet uh, Malbec and Petite Syrah blend. Isn't that also a country act, West Loop Red? Oh. <laughs> yes, uh, it's one of Nicholas Barron's uh, many side projects. So, tell me about the white first. Uh, the white is, uh, this is a Sauvignon Blanc that we made mm. right here. 100% Sauvignon Blanc, and the grapes come from uh, uh, Alder Springs, uh, California. Mm. I think that's the only white I like. Sauvignon Blanc, and because um, I like the sweeter wines. I, I don't. I don't drink a lot of white either. Yeah. Um, but uh, this one's nice. It has a little uh, mineral tones to it too, so it's not overly sweet. Exactly. And, and what like charcuterie? Well, what charcuterie would the white wine go with? Not a, uh, not a heavy. Well, I mean, with white wine, it's, you can do a lot of things. We have a lot of our fresh sausage that would go really nice with that. Uh, a boudin blanc, which is milk braised veal uh, sausage, would probably pair very nicely with that. Um, I don't know, you're more expert with wine, I, you know, that go well? Um, unlike Mark, I am not an expert in meat. Um, <laughs> I, I wish you could see the look <laughs> on his face. I, I, what concert would it go best with? Is this more of like a Joan Osborne? I don't think uh, it's an Ozzy Osborne, is it? Uh, this would be a Joan Osborne and Sean Colving uh, wine, where the West Loop Red is uh, more soulful and a little more Nicholas Barron. <laughs> Who's a very soulful musician. Yes, he is. All right, well, West Loop Red, what kind of charcuterie would go with that? Uh, I think a lot of our salumis would stand up well with that, as well as one of our most popular dishes. Uh, well, yeah, I honestly haven't tried it. How is it? It's been a little warm right now. A little warm. Well, then, with the heat of the wine, maybe the uh, spice of the Languanisa sausage, which is our Philippine sausage, mm. which is uh, one of the most popular dishes we have by far. Well, and you get, you get, you get those pepper notes on that. Absolutely. Yeah. You go really well with the Fresno chili marmalade. Now, 10 years ago, this area, the West Loop, was not a place people were hanging out, right? And, and it's been kind of gentrified, would you say, over the last 10, 15 years? Definitely. How is it different than downtown Chicago, like the Loop? It's more of a destination right now. Um, and it's becoming the epicenter of the top restaurants in Chicago. It's being this street in particular that we're on right now, Randolph, is known as uh, Restaurant Row. So all the top restaurants in Chicago are coming here. We're growing leaps and bounds. Uh, uh, retailers and merchants are all coming down here, restaurants, businesses. Google's about to open uh, a big, a large headquarters here. So. Mm -hmm. Things are happening down here in the West Loop. Well, in a minute, we're, in a minute, we're going to talk to Shane from the uh, Chicago Food Tours. But um, for people that are listening around the country, Chicago is, if not the, one of the top three, I would say, food cities in America. I mean, everyone's going to say New York because people from New York, you know, think New York is the greatest place on and the earth. And people not from New York know New York is the center of the world. I don't want to have this debate again here. 
Uh, it's a fantastic city if you like everyone's, you know, no one talking to you and being nice to you. We, we, we moved from New York. So this is number two. So I came here to Chicago Sight Unseen to open up City Winery and as the first opening GM and uh, embraced Chicago and uh, ate my way around for the first uh, few months. I have not had a bad meal in Chicago. No. It's, it's difficult to find. It's a great food city, but then again, coming from New York, you know what good meal is. Oh, please, with the New York. I, I have a few favorites in New York, but again, I have... Three out of my top four greatest meals uh, have been in Chicago. For people that are listening around the country, if you come to Chicago, what do you have to eat before you leave? Pizza, hot dogs, and steak. Is, has ribs fallen off the top list? Because people used to come to Chicago for the ribs. There's some good places with ribs, but, you know, the uh, pizza is well known. We ship that. Hot dogs we ship as well. Right. You can't go wrong. We have a phenomenal hot dog as well at Tetris Goodery. We make our own all 100% short rib. It's killer. Uh, let me ask you this. I asked this uh, question of Harry. Since, again, you are a meat expert, is this a good meat market? The West Loop. If you're single, is this where you want to be in Chicago to meet up and hook up? Because I have some single ants that are here today, and I know that they've been washing down the vodka. Hi, ladies. And <laughs> after this, they're going to probably want to go on the prowl. So I'm helping them out. West Loop is meatpacking area, so we've got a lot of sausage down here. <laughs> look, at they're, look, they're all thrilled now. <laughs> now, is Chicago, I, at least now that I'm married, I can't really, I don't know for sure, but it seems like a great city to be single in. Uh, my friend Ryan Cheverini is very single and is enjoying the city tremendously. It seems like there are lots of great restaurants and clubs and food places to go. What are the hot spots for single tourists that may be coming here from elsewhere? Uh, I'm newly single, so hopefully City Winery. <laughs> Talk to the GM. I'm there uh, six days a week, at least. Uh -huh. um, tall, goofy-looking guy with a blazer on. Come find me. Okay. Really cute, too. <laughs> and, and Tetra Cootery, we have three owners, two chefs and a GM, and all of us, we're all single as well. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> as far as traveling through Chicago, River North is very hot. Uh, Our female audience just started listening closer. Absolutely. Right. Well, as they should. Yeah. yeah, but everybody in the restaurant business, a lot of people in the restaurant business are single because it's a brutal business, right? Long hours, yeah. not much sleep. You get home at 2 o'clock in the morning, get back there by You, you, you figure the wine would help, though. <laughs> it, it does. But it keeps the girls in the, there. In the food they, industry. Or an insomniac, yeah. That works. Marry that someone works. with sleep difficulties. Yeah. yeah. But there are plenty of areas in Chicago for going out. I mean, River North is hot, hot, hot right now. West Loop is getting there. Um, the up north, Lakeview River, um, Wrigleyville area, very popular, especially for the younger generations. And as far as, as summer goes, Chicago has a festival, it seems like, every single weekend here in the summer. And At least one. Yeah, for people that don't live there here, the reason is because it's beastly, brutally cold in the winter. So once the sun comes out, like it is today, people need to get out of their house and go out and have fun. And I think it's a very, uh, it's a metropolitan area that takes a lot of pride in the restaurants and the things that the city has to offer. And people are approachable, unlike New York. If you walk up to New York and ask someone for directions, you're either going to get a knife, a punch in the face. One, so not true. A year ago, so not true. I'm walking down the street and it's cold. I see a homeless guy sitting on the ground with no shoes on. There's, no, the guy on the ground had shoes on. Another homeless guy is walking down the street without shoes. I swear, I saw this with my own eyes out in front of the Witt Hotel. As the second guy, homeless guy is walking by, the homeless guy sitting down goes, dude, wait a minute, come here. And he gives him a $20 bill and says, get yourself some shoes. 
Would that happen in New York City? No. No, we'd steal the shoes. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But that doesn't mean that they're rude or bad. I mean, New Yorkers are their own little race. You know, the the fun thing is, is personal space and what it means here. So in, in our industry, sitting at the tables, how much space you need, that's been interesting for us. And then, uh, two, I, I live in a... You need I, more space in Chicago to space the tables out? Yeah, we, we, we need more space. So we actually built... We had, we're 36,000 square feet here. We're, we're double the size of our New York location, um, partially for more personal space. And uh, we did build it as our flagship. Um, but even, even my building, people hold the elevator. I'm down the hall in New York... You, you hit that close button. I don't want to share my elevator with somebody. Screw you. <laughs> well, okay. Fine. In that part, I guess. Yeah, he's right. I still love New York. What is it about the food industry that drew you guys in? Because honestly, there are a lot of easier ways to make a living. And, and in my experience, the, the hospitality people that we know are just so passionate about their business, they couldn't really do anything else. Right, Dan. If you if you weren't doing this, working six hours, a, a, six days a week, well, is there something else you could do, or is this it? Uh, in school, I realized I like to eat. So how can I do that and uh, still be somewhat social? Right. You know, I, I decided I have to start liking people if I wanted to be in this industry. So. And you have to have so much patience. A lot. But you have to enjoy. He's right. You have to enjoy. You have to love it. You have to oh, love yeah. what you do. Yeah. Right. Growing up with my mother, you learned to deal with. You know, patience. And, <laughs> patience. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So, you know, it's great. I mean, it's it's a blast. It's so much fun. You're constantly innovating. It's no day is the same. I can't sit behind a desk. Um, so, and no, even if I have the same problem, because it's dealing with two different people, same situation, you have to handle it differently with everyone. So you're constantly thinking on your feet and innovating and creating not only food, but ways to handle the same situation. It's, it's so much fun and it's such a blast. It's hard work, but it's, it's passion. Which really is a nice way of saying on most of us in the industry are bipolar. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, 100%. Well, you, ne yeah. you never, you never confronted with the same day twice, right? It's always a little bit different. Absolutely. Well, uh, that's what makes it exciting and interesting. As long as, as well as this delicious wine, I like the red as well. I'm not a big white guy, but the red's got a nice little snap to it. Tastes very Chicagoy. Has nice legs. It's the, uh, that's, the, that's a Chicago urban terroir. That is <laughs> your feet. Yeah. How about a big hand? Uh, give us our your website before you go, guys. Tet uh, is Tet Charcuterie is www.tetchicago.com and we're located Which is T-E-T-E? T-E-T-E, T -E -T -E, yes. And we're at 1114 West Randolph, right down the street. And we're, uh, we're at uh, 1200 Randolph. We're neighbors. And uh, we're at www.citywinery.com slash Chicago. Thank you very much, Dan and Greg. Thank you for joining Thank us on the Fork on the Road.
our next guest, this man takes people from all over the world and guides them through Chicago on their tongues. Yeah. Yep. This the is Chicago Shane. Food Planet Food Tours. Yes, this is Shane Cost. Correct. Welcome to the show, Shane. Thank Hi, you Shane. for having me. I just want a little shout out to all of Mark's family over here. Woo-hoo! Hi, ladies. Were you hanging Hi, with the aunts? A little bit. Yes. I, 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 maybe later. They came all the way out from the western suburbs to enjoy the uh, food and the, uh, the beautiful weather. It's gorgeous beautiful. day. This has got to be a great day to be on a food tour. Tell us what you do. It is. Actually, we have uh, 13 food tours going out just today in uh, six different neighborhoods. What I do is I... Uh, 2006, I thought it would be a great idea to showcase all the best foods, history, architecture, culture, all combined in one. So I started Chicago Food Planet Food Tours, and we offer two to three hour uh, food tasting and cultural walking tours through Chicago's premier signature neighborhoods. Of which there are many. Chicago is a neighborhood, uh, is a city. Great food town. But there's lots of great neighborhoods. There's the Italian neighborhood, the Polish neighborhood, and every neighborhood obviously has its own kind of uh, cuisine. Yeah, it has its own history. In so you fact, can travel uh, the world on your feet, really, here. Yeah, there you go. That's a nice little map. Uh, it's kind of our oyster here in Chicago. We, we're in six neighborhoods right now. We just added a new tour in Lincoln Park, uh, going to six different locations. As you go through the tour, you're essentially eating and learning and walking your way through those neighborhoods. History-wise, why do you think Chicago has maintained such a diverse neighborhood-slash-food structure? You know, a lot of other cities start out that way, and then they kind of all get homogenized together. How? Why Chicago? Yeah, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great question, and I think there's there's definitely room for debate. I would say that it kind of goes back to 1871 when we had the uh, Chicago Fire, and you're essentially rebuilding the city. And as you're rebuilding it, you have certain groups that are doing really well with building things, constructing this, constructing that, and so they're living in different areas. And then we had the World's Fair in 1893. That brought a lot of people to Chicago, really put us on the map. We actually right. stole that event away from New York City, so we can bash them a little bit more. Good. And, uh, you know, the brownie was invented at the 1893 World's Fair, right correct. at the Palmer House. Correct. There was a lot of things that debuted at the uh, World's Fair, including uh, uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Uh, Which is having a great comeback. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, uh, well, I think right now, craft beer. Uh, I won't say that uh, PBR <laughs> is craft beer, but it's definitely putting itself back on the map by uh, being crafty. Well, it's quite the uh, hipster darling beer, too. Yeah, it is. Because it's $2 a drop. It's cheap. It's got a cool logo. And a lot of Chicagoans are learning the story. You know, it's called Pabst Blue Ribbon because they got the best beer award at the World's Fair, the Blue Ribbon. And then when people would go to bars after, they would see the Blue Ribbon on the cup at at their plant. And they just started calling it Pabst Blue Ribbon, PBR. Did not know that. Yep. That's interesting. That's a a good story. So for people that are coming to Chicago from out of town... What, what's the best way for them to sample all the different... Do you, is, does each of your tours go to a bunch of different areas or that you focus in one area? Yeah, so it's a great question. Uh, some of our tours just focus on one neighborhood. For example, we have a Lincoln Park food tour. We also have an ethnic food tour in Chinatown, the Chinatown food tour. The other tours are going to go through a combination of neighborhoods. Uh, so, for example, Gold Coast and Old Town is uh, one food tour. And another is the Bucktown and Wicker Park, the kind of edgy hipster area right now. Right. And so what we're doing is we're allowing the neighborhoods and the foods that have established themselves there to dictate where we're going. So, for example, the Gold Coast tour, we're going to Lumal Nadi's, our iconic Chicago-style deep dish pizza. Correct. What we're trying I to do is hit all them. The- they, they ship all over the place. Yeah, they, they ship do. to LA. Pie in the sky. That's what it's Yum. called. <laughs> you get it shipped all the way to LA. Wow. <laughs> we do. See, there's only 30 locations in the world of Luminati's, and they're all right here. So you're right. You should get it shipped. Now, what other places do you um, do you go to? For example, I'm a big coffee person. Yeah. One of the best coffees I've ever had was right here in Chicago at the Public Hotel. It's called La Colombe. Yeah, La Colombe. Yeah. 
Um, they actually just opened a retail store right next to our office, right near North Milwaukee and Damon. Mm. And so what we're trying to do is support local businesses. So for example, right now we're not going to a coffee store on any of our tours mm -hmm. because some of the local Chicago brands, for example, Intelligentsia, yes. Dark Matter, uh, their retail locations aren't in the neighborhoods that we're at right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're trying to make sense and, and kind of have this relevance factor. So if we're going to go to a place, it's because it's got a story attached to the history of the neighborhood, the city, something in between. Uh, right now we're not going specifically. Yeah, there you go. Public Chicago. Do you go there? No, we don't go there. This is just a pointing out if you want to stay in the Gold Coast and Old Town area, you can mm -hmm. stay at that hotel. Okay. Yeah. And I would recommend if people are coming to Chicago for a week or so, especially if you've never been here before, to do a tour like this yeah. early in your trip. Um, I'd also recommend the architectural tour on the river. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was great. To really Mark doesn't like boats, and he actually yeah. wants this it. one. I loved it. And then to be able to, be able to get a uh, kind of a sampling of what's available in Chicago on a one single tour gives you time to go investigate the things that you really like as yeah. the week goes on. Yeah. And you, what, are, what are some of your favorite places from the tours? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, we've already talked about Lumanati's. Mm -hmm. I really love Lumanati's. I've got a sweet tooth, I'm not going to lie. So the fudge pot in the uh, Old Town area. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Mindy Siegel. She owns Hot Chocolate. She actually just won last year Best Pastry Chef in the United States from the James Beard Foundation. Oh, wow. So we go to the Hot Chocolate on the Bucktown and Wicker Park food tour. So I can't really get enough of that oh, place. We're gonna have to go there. Yeah, I know you have a big sweet tooth. That's yeah. kind of a requirement, and that's basically. I think you kind of stole my my mojo, Mark, because what you're talking about, and as much as taking the tour early, that way you know exactly what you want to do. You know, we we get a lot of customers. A lot of our a majority of our customers are actually Chicago locals and natives. And they'll take the tour at the very end of their trip into the city. Maybe it's a staycation for the weekend mm -hmm. or somebody's coming from L.A. And they're not so sure about this food tour they sign up for. They do it last. And then, of course, it's their favorite thing. Yeah. Why didn't I do that first? Right. Oh, I wish we could go there for dinner, but we're exactly. leaving tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I think Absolutely. it's always to kind of take a big survey when you get someplace. Yeah. And not just Chicago, but anywhere. And then you can dial in to the things that you like because not everyone's going to like everything, even on a great tour, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I did just want to kind of point out as well, we've had so much success, actually, with Chicago Food Planet Food Tours and the uh, neighborhoods, the response within the community. If you think about it, we're supporting local economy, local community. We're getting people off the beaten path into these neighborhoods right. so that we actually started a school and we actually teach people across the world how to start their own food tours. And I only mention that because I think anyone that might be listening on this show that really loves their community, loves their city. That is a fantastic great idea. idea. It's been a great idea. We've had over 250 people across uh, 20 countries come into Chicago, take our class. Uh, part of the class is to actually take our food tours and then also learn the theory, uh, etc., to really understand how to learn how to start their own food tour. We've actually had several people from Los Angeles take our course, and uh, they started food tours in L.A. Where do people find out about this food tour? Uh, I would say, yeah. The, the classes or the tours? Both. Both. Uh, online. Everything. I've always said that I wanted to be an internet business because I didn't want to have to cold call and, and bother people. So 99% of the people that are going to find our tours or our classes are going to do some type of search online for something to do. And right is it, now... Is everything at ChicagoFoodPlanet.com? Uh, ChicagoFoodPlanet.com is for the just the Chicago food tours. Mm -hmm. And then the, the classes is actually FoodTourPros.com. FoodTourProfessionals.com. Nice. What a great And what a great business. You were telling me before the show that you worked during the summer and then the winter you just go and do whatever you want to do yeah the last uh, so this we're actually in our ninth year of giving the food tour so the last nine years for three months each off season i get the heck out of chicago because uh, as a former oh. local yeah it's you know it's, cold. it's cold. when i come here in the winter to uh work she won't come with me because it's too brutal yeah i will not the I only either. time i actually agreed to come during the winter time was when i went to your aunt's Pan Am party, which I couldn't miss that. Right. His had new sort of for Pan Am. 
and they all get together year after year and they have these great picnics and this one happened to fall in the winter so I you know right. that's the one time uh, that you, I would agree leave. to no, that it's good it's, it's, and also too it's, it's a lifestyle business right what we're doing is uh, we're doing it seasonally you know if you're in LA you can do it year round you can really just pick and choose that's kind of one of the reasons we want to start teaching the classes so that uh-huh. people who want to take control of their life and have a business that's a lot of fun gives back to the community is good for everybody involved and can continue to grow it's a lot of fun to own and operate well thank you so much for joining us Shane thanks for having Chicago me ChicagoFoodPlanet.com is the website yeah. it is an excellent way to see the city and taste the city and of, of and the cities of the world on. do this, it early on yeah this is one of the great cities you want to eat your way through it's yeah. fantastic and uh, thanks Martin, for joining thank us much. Shane thank you. thank you very much see you soon give me a hand ladies and gentlemen Woo! now we have a we have a special guest Nicholas we have this young man here who says he can sing in two languages what? Yes, unbelievable. Two languages. You know what? I'm going to have you stand on this table. Hold on. Stand on the table? Is it Stand up there? Uh-oh. I'm going to hold you. What is your name? What is your name? Zachariah. Where are you from, Zachariah? Uh, from Tunisia, from my dad, and from Canada, from my mom. Okay, and uh, what are you going to sing today? I want you sing. I just called to say again in a, in a French song called... Okay, and you're going to sing it in English and Tunisian? French. You're going to sing it in English and French? C'est vrai? Oui. Oui? Oui, monsieur. Allez. Oui, monsieur. Oui, Sing. Do you, need, do you need Nicholas to back you up, or do you sing this a cappella? Acapulco. Are you singing acapulco, or you sing it by yourself? With or without music. By yourself. Okay, here All we right. go. One, two, three. On New Year's Day, celebrate. No chocolate cover can their hearts together wait. The first of spring, the songs to sing. In fact, they're just another ordinary day. Ordinary day, yeah, come on. No Libra sign. 
French. She's like, no Halloween. What? No Modulation? No thanks to all the Christmas toys that you bring. Sing it, brother. Sing it. You're killing it. You're killing it. Give it up. Give it up for him. That was awesome. Do you want to do one verse in French? Can you do a whole verse in French? Can you do it, but like French style? Like put the shades on. And like. I'll hold you. I don't know. I just sing one verse in French. You want to hear one verse in French? Yes! One verse in French. One, two, Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Thank you. Merci. All right. Well, that about wraps up our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to his fork on the road. We want to thank all of our guests. Greg from City Winery, Dan from Tet, Harry Ringer from every festival and flea market in the world. Shane Cost and our little six-year-old singer then. And a big hand for Nicholas Barron and his band. Yeah. I'm Mark DiCarlo. And I'm Charlie Kiva. And we'll see you at a fork on the road. Yeah, yeah, here we come, Colorado. Here we come, Colorado. <laughs>